This is Sam Raimi. I'm the director of the motion picture. You're about to see Army of Darkness. Hi, I'm uh, Bruce Campbell. I'm the phony actor in the movie. Those are rubber chains. Plastic chains, actually. What I want to know is why are you stuck in that hole if you don't have a hand? Well, because the director told me to put my hand in there. And I must do what he tells me. Obviously, the challenge, I think, of the second sequel now is to figure out how to recap everything and still make some semblance of sense. Well, this is the third part in the Evil Dead series. There's Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, and this is Army of Darkness, Part 3. If you haven't seen the other two, you should probably see them. They were shot in such a way so that if you saw the first one, you'd be up to speed to see the second one, and if you had seen the second one, you'd be up to speed to see this third part. But nevertheless, within the second and third parts, Evil Dead 2 and this movie, Army of Darkness, we've done this recap to get you up to speed in case you haven't seen it. But do you think it's actually true that if you spliced off the beginnings of the other two movies that you could splice all movies together and have one movie? Yes, I do. That would be an interesting experiment for some uh, USC student. The Book of the Dead. Found in human flesh and inked in blood, this ancient Sumerian text contained bizarre burial rites, funerary incantations, and demon resurrection passages. It was never meant for the world of the living. The book awoke something dark in the woods. Now, Sam, this woman in here looks very familiar. What's her deal? Who? Bridget Fonda. That's right. Well, Bridget uh, told me that she was a fan of uh, Evil Dead 2. And could you be an evil, an army of darkness? And I said, yeah, I've been a big fan of your work. I'd love to have you in the picture. Well, plus we kept changing Linda's every movie, so she might as well be the third Linda. Yeah, and we had to find a girl that with a big enough mouth to get the camera into. <laughs> she fortunately fit the bill. And, and as I understand it, we couldn't get the footage to Evil Dead 2, so we had to reshoot Ash cutting his hand off, for example. Yet, oddly, some of this is actually footage from Evil Dead 2, like this one here and some of these shots. So I guess we got that sort of worked out. I think we did get the footage, but there, actually there was a different problem with that cutting of the hand shot off. It was the wrong pace. Uh-huh. That it didn't, it wasn't a recap pace. That's right. So we had to reshoot that bit. And this is really where the new material begins officially right here. <laughs> I love this. Bruce Campbell versus. Because that's really all it is. It's such a kooky title, though. It's you, you rarely you wouldn't have like Jeff Chandler versus you know the Indians or something. <laughs> but that's I think what we figured all the audience wants to see, rather than Bruce Campbell in the Army of Darkness, he's fighting them. <laughs> Irvin Shapiro came up with the title Army of Darkness. He was our sales agent uh, when we made Evil Dead, and he's one of the executive producers on Evil Dead too. We learned a lot from him. He's the first guy that finally said, "Okay, I'll distribute your movie Evil Dead overseas." He's been was in the film business so many years, he actually did the advertising in New York on the movie Potemkin. That's how old he was when we worked with him. And when we showed him the movie, he turned to us the first time and said, Fellas, this is your lucky day. It ain't gone with the wind, but I think I can make you some money with it. So we were very happy, and after we met Irvin, we started to get distribution on Evil Dead. That's really what kicked our career off. Well, it's good that uh, he came up with that title because Universal didn't want Evil Dead 3, as I understand it. They wanted, they wanted this movie to stand on its own. Yeah, that never made any sense. Uh, there were good people there, but it never made any sense not to call it Army of Darkness, you know, Evil Dead 3, Army of Darkness. Well, you had, a, you had your own funky title, right? I call, my title was 
the medieval dead. Right, which made a lot of sense. But there you go, thinking again. Bruce, your wife Ida, the young costumer who, who did the great wardrobe in this picture, became your wife. Is that correct? Yes, you, indeed. You met her on this picture? Well, yeah, I met her on one earlier film, uh, a classic called Mind Warp, and um, we had just gotten married a couple months before the shoot, so it, it was probably the hardest test of our marriage because we never saw each other. Hey, Ida, what's going on? I don't know. I can't talk now. i got to finish up some dead-eyed costumes. How are you? Uh, I can't talk now. I have to work out. I think to the pit with him. Now, obviously, Sam, this version is going to differ pretty greatly from what most people have seen. Most people have seen an 81-minute version. This has 15 more minutes on top of it. That's right. Uh, originally, we really made this movie. And this is the movie we turned into Dino De Laurentiis, who, was, who financed the picture and owned the production company for which we made it, or owned the distribution company for which we made it. But he released it like this in many foreign territories. However, uh, for when Universal domestically accepted it, they said it's too long and the, uh, the ending's a downer. So we reshot an ending, and we, uh, they pretty much cut out about 15 minutes. Although I did have input on that. I can't just claim it was them. I, my, my favorite thing about this shot is look at the character Ash in the foreground there. That's the stuntman walking like he's got a dump in his pants. It's my favorite thing about uh, doubles is that it always it torments the actor horribly because it's never how they would do it. Very much probably like a second unit shot would torture No, you would have walked like you had a stick up your butt. You said <laughs> dump in your pants. That's right. It is different. See, it's all wrong. That shot wasn't in. Bill Mesa did a wonderful job at Intervision creating all these great landscape pieces that really gave it a lot of scope. It's going to be our first big, big picture. And they, they wound up sort of Intervision being a one-stop effect shop, combining matting uh, the Intervision process, which we'll see more later, and uh, stop motion. They, uh, I had a great storyboard artist, uh, Doug Leffler, who uh, did the boards for every shot in this picture with and for me. And uh, then he went on to do... Um, well, he moved on to Hercules and became a director. That's right. Hercules, and then he made his own feature for Dino, uh, Dino's daughter, Raffaella de Laurentiis. That's right. So the, the mantle has been passed to old Doug. Now, this is Embeth Davids, who uh, I, we pretty I much... I told you she was never going to be anybody. <laughs> I guess Spielberg felt the same way after she moved on to Schindler's List. It's important to train actresses, Sam, in the low-budget world and then send them on to greener pastures. She learned a lot. She learned she's never going to work with me again. And apparently, Spiel I say she's never going to work with me again. <laughs> but no, uh, wait a second. I, I want people to notice here. They can rewind it on their DVDs or their lasers. That there's a number of objects being hurled at me during this scene, and I want the world to know that it's Sam throwing like real potatoes and real heavy objects, trying to make me think that that's method-wise that that's what I should do. Is is that they would really be throwing these things hard? So I wanted to thank you, Sam, for that. That that real environment that you created. No, look, I've made mistakes like that in the past, and I'm sorry for them. Perhaps I didn't throw them hard enough. <laughs> we passed a little earlier the blacksmith, who is Tim Quill, who is an old high school pal of ours, and goes all the way back to a lot of the Super 8 movies we did. Embeth was great to work with in this picture, though. She was so helpful, made it real. I mean, it was uh, not the greatest script. She was a very talented actress that came in and Gave it a lot of credibility. I'll tell you, the thing that I notice about her is when she auditioned, she was a woman. There were plenty of sort of uh, bimbed actresses who came in, and they, just, they were girls. They were like pretty girls. But she came across as like this serious 
actress in this ridiculous movie, and it, it made for a good dynamic. We really needed her. And him, too. Richard Grove, who's a good, uh, spent a lot of time in theater and has a lot of film and television credits, and same thing, he lent uh, some element of credibility to sort of a ridiculous tale. We really needed that, too, that credibility, because we were taking our low-budget antics, you and me and Rob, and trying to drop them into a real a real world as much as possible. Right, and of course, Marcus Gilbert provides the Arthur character. He's sort of the straight man of the whole movie. He's a good hard worker, that guy, good yeah. actor. Yeah. And while my people fight for their very souls against it, you, Henry the Red, wage Pretty war. tolerant, most of these guys, because this was a long, hot shoot, and Marcus, these guys were all covered in armor for the entire shoot, you know, sweating like pigs the entire time. Now, Sam, that's your buddy Peter Pop on the left, who's an extra who, as I understand it, wrote a, spe a very special song. He did, and I'm going to try and buy it from him and put it at the end of this um, DVD, if, if that's possible. It, don't hold me to it, folks, So I haven't talked to Bill Lustig, our producer, on this uh, DVD, but I'm hoping I can pay him and put it on. It's a song he wrote for the movie during the movie that I always thought should be part of the end credits, <laughs> except I love Joe Laduca's music so much I couldn't dare do it, but now that Joe isn't looking, <laughs> we can put it on the end. And he performed it, right? He would perform it many times at lunchtime and other times. I think he performed it at the rap party, right? Yes. He's and got a sort of guitar thing going. He did. And we had him perform it at one of the lunches when you were up at the Bat Cave. <laughs> Remember the Bat Cave in Bronson Canyon? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Shot right. You putting the death coaster in yeah, there? Yeah, he put a special uh, performance on. That's mm -hmm. right. There's Tim. It's funny. I remember we asked him to shave his head. And it wasn't that big a deal for him because he was a swimmer and they used to shave their head all the time. Some actors get all freaked out about shaving their head. The infamous blood flood. What's funny about this geyser is that we had sort of tested it, but no one really knew what was going to happen. This, this big geyser would come up. We weren't sure if extras were going to get doused or whether I was going to get doused. We had no idea where the blood was going to go, ultimately. Vern Hyde, our mechanical effects fellow, he's a genius, and he did... Evil Dead 2, he did um, Dark Man. Now, Sam, that's Bill Vincent behind Arthur there. He's an old teacher of yours, right? Yes. He's my old professor. Not old, but he's the professor of humanities at Michigan State University. Taught uh, Rob and I and Ivan a lot, my brother Ivan, who co-wrote this picture. And uh, has remained a friend of ours throughout the years and occasionally appears in films. He's in the new Kevin Costner picture coming out. Oh, is he really? Yeah. What does he play in that? Called For Love of the Game. He <laughs> plays a doctor. <laughs> That's so funny. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Oh, wait, wait a minute. You, you got to understand, man. I, I, I never even saw these assholes before. He's a horrible coward, this character. The, I think the funny thing about Army of Darkness is that if it was made specifically for a studio, this was sort of split financing, I don't think they would have allowed a main character to flip-flop so badly. I mean, Ash, is, he's a coward, he's a braggart, he's a hero, he's a loser, it's all in one, and it's really strange that the audience is, it's horrible, they're stuck with him. He's li he li he'll lie. So I think when he goes in the pit, at the end of the day, the audience is probably cheering about as much as the crowd would be. Yeah. does look like you don't have a hand there, I will say. That shot works well. It seems like the trick was keep it tucked into my side so that it didn't seem as long, and then we, we had a metal plate that would keep my wrist from wiggling. That's the big giveaway, is a, a wiggling wrist. So we sort of taped a metal plate to keep my wrist 
as stiff as the arm. At least that, mm -hmm. that was the theory. And don't, just don't display it. Keep it tucked away. This we shot on the Intervision stage. We built this water tank. Remember that? Yeah, it was horrible, skanky, cold water. And uh, on that same Intervision stage, I know the Coen brothers eventually came in there and shot their picture. Uh, John Cameron produced, what is the name of that? Uh, I think it was the, <laughs> the, the, the yeah, that's way, right, that's brothers. right. Yeah. Now listen carefully to the voice here, folks. It's a certain director who uh, lent his voice talents to this creature. Who would have thought Stanley Kubrick in his last <laughs> performance coming down to this for us? Now I, there's, there's, I love that creature though. The boys made KMB effects. That's it, one of my favorite monsters right there. Yeah, it's a good horrible creature. They really cast her well too, because they really cast the person. Right, and essentially she was a gymnast so that she could move well and, and be able to perform tricks inside the suit. Yeah. This is actually like a big time wrestling scene more than anything. It's funny, one of the uh, extras up there is also filmmaker Josh Becker. You'll see him next to Embeth a couple times. It's a good opportunity, crowd scenes, to bring in people that you know and just, if they're available for one day, just put them in. Tony Tremblay did a very good job on the production design. I was always impressed with him. I I'd love to see what he's done after this picture. I haven't heard from him. Make way. Strange one. Ian Abercrombie. Yes. He was in Jurassic Park 2, I just found out. He did a great job for us. Yeah, Ian also, in his own professorial way, lent credibility to it as well. He Absolutely. was this very intelligent, wiseman creature. Yes. Now this I had to practice a lot to get this just right. That's the magic of Intervision, mostly. <laughs> rear, the equivalent of rear screen, their front screen process. Combined with reverse motion and things like that. Oh, some of that is cut out of the new version of Universals. It was too bloody for them. Right. It's a little more subje uh, sort of suggestive. Yeah, not as good. <laughs> Another creature from KMB that they freaked me out with. <laughs> this is what, pitch, pit, pit creature number two or something? Yes. Yeah, this cuts a lot better than what they did to it, I think. Like that upshot, I don't think was in there. Right. Now, thanks to this, uh, this shot, my, uh, my left shoulder is still bothering me to, to, to this day. It's basically just strap Bruce on and just hoist him up and then we'll shoot as much as we can and then lower him back down again. <laughs> And then she'll pull on his, his foot, too, while, he's, while his little belt is digging into his wrist. This we actually shot way near the end of the shoot. This is one of the last things we shot of the main shoot, so at that point we were well into it. Sometimes things just don't work well. I always thought your hand sliding down the strap was not going to... I wasn't going to get the pieces I needed, but you had... You knew how to grab it and how to make it look right. That's good hand acting. That's all I can say. It worked better than I thought it was going to. My favorite Foley sound effect is we, we made sure there was a squish in his shoe, like he's got a soaker. You know, you get the squishy boot. It's yeah. a, just a dumb little DVD detail. It's like he doesn't even have shoelaces. I love that big close-up. That's cool. It is, it is cool. I thought this scene played all right. What's fun is just to let a scene play sometimes. That's sort of what this scene is. It just kind of plays, tormenting extras. 
Funny thing is, is training extras. I mean, you've dealt with more extras on longer shoots, and it seems like it takes a while for them to figure out the tone of the movie and the style of it, and whether they're good guys, bad guys, whether they like the main character or don't like him. You're right. Those are the thoughts they have to be have to get clear. Right, and there's some extras. <laughs> I'm going to point one guy in particular who is driving me insane. He 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 knew just enough to find the camera. And he kept milking shot after shot, and he wound up in an astounding number of shots in the background. Good Lord. Driving me insane. I had him punished, though. That's a character, Goldtooth, who we'll see a little more of him in this version. He, he lives a little bit longer in this version. Let him go! <laughs> That's Peter Pop on the right there. During the scene, he's really just thinking of his song. That's Peter's big featured moment. It's also a funny concept, actors riding horses. In the 60s, a lot of actors knew how to ride horses because they, they still did a lot of westerns, but I had to learn how to ride for this. I'm, I'm a horrible rider in this movie. Oh, don't say. I'll say. <laughs> You were dreadful. Fortunately, I had a cape to to disguise the ass saddle battle, is what the stunt guys called it. The horrible bouncing on the saddle. But like Richard Grove, he was good. What he did is he did the Kirk Douglas approach. It didn't matter if he could ride or not. He just he sort of guffawed his way through the whole thing, and he he, he just went with it. He didn't fight it. And me the whole time, I'm like trying to control my horse, and it uh, to limited effect. I remember I went to the first horse riding lesson with you, remember? Maybe one and two. <laughs> oh, that's right. Do you remember? It's true, because you... Griffith Park. At one point, you threatened to direct the entire movie from the back of a horse. Didn't I ride ever the horse when I was directing? Of course. You did. You did, actually, some of these days. Right, this sweet baby was made in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Retails for about It's a little ode to Michigan there, the Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Kmart, which we had to change to S-Mart for right. legal reasons. And I actually heard that there was an S-Mart somewhere in Texas. Really? Yeah. Shop S Mart. You got that? Now I swear. The next one of you. Continuity is always a, such a. People love to make fun of continuity in the Evil Dead movies. But when you shoot so far out of context, we didn't really know what Ash would look like when he came out of that skanky water. We had to just assume that, well, he would be sort of grimy. But then when we filmed, there was nothing in the water that actually stuck to me. So we had to add like a chocolatey kind of layer. That was Bill Vincent in the back with a cape. Right. Multi-plane shot. Reminds me of a Disney shot. <laughs> There's Bill again. What's he doing on that side of the Oh, uh, He's a tricky guy. Now, the old spinning rig of the gun, I must admit, that was a fake gun. And when I stick it behind me, the prop person snuck in and pinned the gun to my back because I didn't really stick it in anything. I just shoved it along my back and she came in and just pressed it to my back during the course of the shot. And exactly. so on either side of that shot, you see people creeping in, getting ready to do things. This was shot in a garage in uh, North Hollywood. Yeah, remember? it was. Some horrible little uh, storage, storage place. Embeth, <laughs> who now, I think her hair was changed, so now she has this, like, share wig on for this scene. It's good. It's the softer look, like she's ready to make amends. That's right. And same with Arthur. judgment. Um, Marcus had cut all his hair off and had no beard. So in this scene, he's got a fake beard and fake hair extensions. And I actually have hair extensions in the back because my hair had been Why cut Why did as this well. scene get shot so late? Um, I think it was a bridge, something that 
that either we had always intended to shoot or something we added uh, another sort of juice scene. Oh, I know. The falling pillars got cut out. That's right. And although this witch, ba this witch battle took place with, amidst falling pillars, remember? Yes, it was a much bigger scene. And we couldn't afford it. We ran out of money. So we had to do the witch battle in a cheesy, cheaper place. <laughs> although that would have been incredibly exciting, I think. Yeah. Remember the storyboards? Oh, yeah. Very much so. Giant dominoes falling. Now, this is Patty Tallman, who has become a, an actress in her own right, and she, she's sort of a, an odd hybrid. She's an actress stunt person. She, she could perform in this suit, and I thought she did a pretty good job of, yeah. of, of selling that, the ferocity, because a lot of actors, after they get made up for several hours, they just sort of they lose it. They can't keep the intensity. You're right, and what a great uh, makeup job that was. I love what the boys did with her there. I mean, that's one of my f that is probably my favorite outfit. The more realistic it looks... I think the more so like too. a human being, the more she's really just it is. a mean-looking hag creature, a she bitch, which doesn't make any sense really, because <laughs> unless you got the the b word going, right? She's furious. Now this, the guy says, "Death to the witch!" Death to the witch. That was old Sam there. <laughs> Yo, she bitch. Let's go. Now, for for some reason, the Ash character has gone from sort of a competent guy to now he, he's just cocking. He's Mr. Tough Guy now. I think that's why the audiences can stomach you, despite the fact that you're not good looking, despite <laughs> the fact that you're an idiot and a coward most of the time and a braggart. You do know how to deal. He does kick ass. Yeah. You're the guy. You're the man. That's right. When the evil dead are around. That last movie yours kind of implies that you've studied in the Orient. <laughs> That's right. I've been trained in the in the arts. Time to get a new hand. One thing I like about this next scene, Sam, is that it's 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 a bit of a throwback to some of the an earlier Sam type technique. As you take a whole sequence. And it's like, this is all Snaptoons, the whole scene. It just adds a little extra juice. I've, I've always kind of liked it. A lot of good it did me. Yeah, exactly. I like how powerful this hand is that eventually it starts to make sounds like a garbage can. You know, That like, hand is so cool. It's like designed after the Whammo Air Blaster. <laughs> Remember that thing that you pump up there? That's right. <laughs> And so, so by doing it that one time, now it'll just sort of work forever, the rest of it. We should have showed you having to pump it up a little more. Yeah. What's the matter? You raised in a barn? Shut the door. Probably was raised in a barn with all the other primitives. I wish I would have brought that line up a little more. <laughs> I love that line. This is another classic case where you go, why would we want to follow this character? He's cruel and horrible, but he's actually, he's the only guy left. You are absolutely stuck with this character. Because she's trying, she's just being nice. She made a blanket for me. She's, she's being perfectly reasonable. We made a comic book of the Army of Darkness. You remember that? Yeah, three of them. Three issues from Dark Horse Comic. I thought it was pretty funny. We were able to do things in there we weren't able to do in the movie. That's right, a little more detail. And the artwork was great, I thought. John Bolton. God, did he do a great job. And then he made a great 
Army of Darkness poster special edition. Yeah, there are three posters for this movie. There's the Universal one. There's Dino De Laurentiis has a foreign one that's totally bizarre. It's basically I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. That is bizarre. And then John Bolton did one that is a really, really good one as well. I always like Tony Tremblay's uh, production design in this set. Now, I have to say something. I don't think Sam told me she was going to slap me. And, of course, Embeth is this committed actress, so she just wailed on my face. And the problem was, that was one of the early takes, and I went, okay, now I know that I'm screwed, because every subsequent shot, every take, she's going to slap my face. And I had to shoot that a lot to get it right. Yeah, of course. And during this scene, Sam disappears, and off in the corner, I hear him going, <laughs> what, what, Sam, come on, let's shoot this scene. He goes, I know, I know what you're going to say to her. He say, give me some sugar, baby. I was like, what, are you out of your mind? <laughs> and I've actually since I've gotten emails that people said they tried that in bars and like tried to pick up women with give me some sugar baby <laughs> this is a deleted God. scene this is the the quote unquote love scene because it's a little too heavy I, I, this cut I was I didn't mind losing this a little too sappy That's, I'm glad it's in this version that people can see what we originally put in but but then here it gets downright cozy it's supposed to set up that you had an evening of the devil's business. <laughs> but it's too serious for the picture, I think. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just a director. <laughs> That's right. What do you know? You just wrote it and directed it. This is another one of those scenes that, you know, as an actor, you go, okay. The director wants us to just ride across the countryside, and the horses, the, the barn for the horses was on the right side of the screen, so the horses are racing like hell to get back to their other buddies, and that's just, it's, it's the worst scenario of all. So the horses are just running way faster than they ever want to. Vasquez rocks with a shot, uh, Star Trek. They've, yeah, classic uh, TV shows and probably X-Files. and A lot it, of westerns, I think. Totally. Because the movie was generally filmed in the Los Angeles area of Vasquez Rocks, out in near Palmdale and Lancaster on ranches and in, right Acton, in, right? Yeah, right in Hollywood. You must recite the words. This is the only one of the three that was filmed on in, in and around Hollywood. Okay. Well, repeat them. Now, Sam, where in uh, the day the Earth stood still does that come from? The, the, the those secret are the words. words. Those are the words, the only words that can stop Gort from mm. destroying with his laser visor. Right. I think it's funny with the makeup. You look at my face, and I have cuts in my face the whole time. They had to create a, a plastic template that stuck over my face with slits in it so the makeup person could put the exact marks because I carried together along through each sequel all the cuts and all the bruises that had ever happened to me along the way. So... She had to have a book, a template, outlining at what point in which scenes various cuts and bruises would come up. It was the only way we could keep track of it. So some people love to go hoo-hoo-hoo-ha about all the continuity in this, but there was a lot of attention to it. it. The problem is sometimes when you cut a scene out, something may have happened during that scene that gave you some more blood or carnage or whatever. That's right. This was shot in Los Angeles National Forest, up the two-highway wasn't exactly the kind of woods we wanted. You can tell it's kind of alpine-y. Yeah, it's very alpine -y. It's within that studio zone where they want to keep you sort of within 45 minutes of Los Angeles. 
So this is about the best we could find in that radius. You learn how to ride well. Look at your little stunt here. You do that. Did you already do that little rear? I know that's coming up. I think. Well, maybe I did. Now you'll listen to the voice carefully. There, we've got uh, uh, Sam augmenting the uh, the Evil Dead Force track, which you've done since the very beginning, right? Yes, sir. That's me on good old Buster. My nickname was Widowmaker. Now, Sam, people claim in this, the last tree right here, that there's a mask of a face of a skull. It's, it's a big internet rumor that no. as it opens up, there was a secret skull in there. Not really. People swear, so I'm, I'm glad to finally put I that I ran to into bed. that tree with my jaw. <laughs> it might be an imprint from my face, but we didn't intend it. Ooh, that was a good fall, Bruce. Yeah, that was a good one. Did you take that one? Yeah, that one was me falling it's in like the puddle. In yeah, your neck. There was two cameras on this, one in slow motion and this one to get, so we could, we really could only do it once. We didn't have that many costumes to do over and over again. Yeah, right. It was because of the costume. <laughs> that and I hurt myself. I'm not going to do it, Sam. Please but don't Bruce, I'll me. do it with two cameras. This is a good Super 8 trick. It's basically standing in place, running, with branches being slapped at me from either side. With because a neutral we, background. Because we didn't have a tracking rig. Yeah, that too. That's a cool shot there. I think it's a really cool shot because it's such a wide warp lens. Cool Intravision foreground miniature that Bill Mesa and his team of miniature makers set up for us. That windmill is obviously in the immediate foreground and you're about... Yeah, way in the background. 300 feet Which was away. Chris Doyle, the stunt guy. Yeah. Running with a load in his pants. Now this was a kooky sequence. What, what was the combination here? This is uh, an intervalometer with a long shutter. To, to get the blur? Yeah, like one frame a second and moving the camera in a quite dramatic fashion with uh, a wide-angle lens, probably like a 14 millimeter. So it was really, it was animating on set, live-action animation almost. Yes. Try and give it some intensity that I couldn't find in the performance. <laughs> now this will represent a slightly longer sequence in the movie, um, in the in the eighty-one minute version, this section was pretty truncated, and so what this is a bit of a restoration of it. I always like this sequence. It's it's uh, pointing up the fact that the sun is going down, and in Ash's world, that's that's just a bad thing. Yeah, and maybe it's happening in a slightly different reality than he's used to. Right, it's even worse somehow. In this haunted place. I really enjoyed this, though. I love the shots, the gears, and the light. I thought it worked really well. Me too. It shouldn't, it shouldn't have been truncated. It's unusual, and it's worth incorporating into the final piece. I got British all of a sudden. <laughs> incorporating. Corp incorporating. I'm glad this is restored. This makes sense now with the little men. Oh, no, it doesn't. Not yet. Yeah, there will be one scene that you'll see in the deleted section. It's in a different section of the DVD where it will actually show in a much more explained logic of how this all happened, how he saw a reflection in the distance, thought it was another person, came in and actually ran into a mirror. 
Here it's sort of a mid-ground. The 81-minute version actually makes even less sense than this. Yeah. So here you actually see a specific shot of a weird reflection in a mirror. Great intervision effect. Bill Mesa figured it out. Now this was a series we had, I don't know how many of these guys in total, six or seven, but for specific shots there were three of us. It was myself and two other guys, uh, Bruce Thomas and Deke Anderson, who were sort of look-alikes for me. And what we did is um, we had them wear Bruce Campbell chins and Bruce Campbell noses. And several of these guys, once you got them all tricked up, wound up being pretty good doubles. And because they were so small in screen, it was harder to tell the details. So. And the hero guy is always you. Right. Like there, you'd have the other doubles running past, and then I would linger. Giant fork. That was a frightening day. Yeah, get the fork out of here. It's a giant fork on wires. It's dangerous. <laughs> of course, the gag is with this scene is that it had to be done in reverse motion in order to pull the fork out of there. So I had to go from being dead to struggling to the to fearing the fork to feeling out the wall and then running out backwards. So you didn't do it very well. <laughs> you got to let those things go. <laughs> yeah, don't beat yourself up. This old Stooges gag. I'll crush each and every one of you. I'll, I'll dub you to paste. paste. I'll dub you to paste, yeah. Well, the reason why that was dubbed, the funny thing is, is because in the intervision process, there's always some guy going, 35, 36, 37, because we had to match the background with the foreground, and we could only do that by numbers. That's right. When is the plate of the little ash going to be pretending to push that bucket forward? Right. It was all about timing, and the only way that, that I could get the timing was... At 34 or 35, I knew I had to duck or spin or run or whatever. There's a little more of this, uh, of a little more of the interplay with the tiny ashes tormenting him. And these shots coming up are not even in the other version. No. <laughs> he horribly burns him alive. Horrible. See, again, like this continuity, when you cut it down, you see all of a sudden you see globs of paste and stuff on them that, that would just appear when you edit scenes out. Exactly. That day's photography came back pretty dark, Bill. <laughs> I never quite understood why. <laughs> but Bill did a great job lighting this in, these interiors. and Bill uh, Pope, who went on to, um, to shoot the, the Matrix. That's right. That's a classic Three Stooges sound effect where one of the characters tests a razor on his tongue to see if it was sharp. The nice thing about technology, you can just steal sound effects from other movies now very easily. I like this version of this better. <laughs> I guess everything's okay now. It's very Gulliver-ish, Gulliver's Travels sort of deal this section. Yeah, that's where this image came from, them tying you down. It's the dark day, I don't know why. Well, because the audience now will see a pieced together version of the, they're going to see different film elements combined, and so a lot of these missing scenes will look slightly different. Uh, they'll look better, as, they'll look as good as they can be made.
but if you notice some slight shift between certain shots, it'll be because we've had to find these missing scenes from different places. Is that dry ice smoke or is it effect smoke? Um, that may, be, I don't know what that is. I don't think we would have used a chemical in there, would we? No, I think it's probably just some some kind of, they call it AB smoke, where you combine do, yeah, was, oh, I'm sure it's horribly toxic. I put the AB smoke in your mouth. I begged you not to do this. Because it's bubbling, I think it's dry ice. It could very well be dry ice, yeah, which is I think no big deal once it's in water, it's just bubbling. <laughs> it's such a horrible concept that the lead character has to pour boiling water down his own throat. It's funny rating-wise that that wasn't a problem for some reason. It, it's, it falls under that nefarious category of self-mutilation. Yeah. I guess it wasn't enough. This is such a horrible concept that something is growing inside him. To me, that's really creepy. <laughs> Meaning our, our, the effect of the head starting to grow, we didn't want to bother with. Yeah, right. Bruce, can you just say, dear God, it's growing bigger and we'll cut to you with two heads, huh? Oh, right. <laughs> How's that sound? <laughs> this was a very strange rig. I was actually controlling the right arm uh, through a shell of the other guy. I, I wore this strap-on fiberglass rig with a little handle that I could control the a basic movement of my quote-unquote right arm. And this is obviously split-screen. That's my favorite tree. Every time someone bumped into that tree, it moves about a half a foot. You'll see it later in the movie. It, it's, the, it's the moving tree that's on the intervision stages. That's Chris Doyle and yourself. Right. This is the dummy, right? Now, this is where Sam, in, his, in some inspiration, goes, now, I want you to sing Oh, Susanna during this scene. It's like, well, are you serious? Yeah, yeah, sing it. It'll be good. So that was, in a, it was some warped, perverted version of Oh, Susanna. This is all longer than it used to be. Right. This is. These would represent uh, some of the restored stuff that was cut out. You sound like a jerk. Why are you doing this? Oh, you want to know? Because the answer's easy. I'm bad. Badass is basically Sam Raimi at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm absolutely imitating you in that in that goody little two shoes line. How Sam used to torture me in high school. I thought Bob Morosky did a good job cutting this picture. Hard movie to cut. D different line coming up here, which is not as good. It's an alternate take. I ain't that good. Remember the alternate line that we ended up with? Right, it? good, bad, I'm the guy with a gun. I like that better. And that's in the shorter version, right? Yeah. This is sort of an, a, th a bit of a throwback, too. The whole strap him down, fire up the chainsaw. And cut him up. <laughs> Ash is following the prime directive that the only way to stop those possessed by the spirits of the dead is to uh, th through the act of bodily dismemberment. This is another sort of motif scene that I actually like a lot. Rather, you know, it's like the little snap zoom sequence. This is all about the shadow of the giant windmill above him. Mm. 
And that, that's a weird sort of interim makeup there. The He's been blown away in the face, but he hasn't become fully evil Ash at that point. The All the Ash stuff was created by Tony Gardner. Hmm. It was a way to delineate the two different uh, makeup needs in the movie. No, no one company could really handle all the makeup needs. It, it didn't appear that way. That's right, Tony Gardner and Alterian Studios. And Tony, who you had worked with on Darkman. Had a great relationship with him. He did a great job in the dark man's face. You shall never retrieve the Necronomicon. You'll die in the I'll give you three guesses out there in the uh, viewing audience. Who threw the peat moss under my face? Was it some prop person? No, it was Sam. The good news was it was peat moss. It, it, we put a sound effect to make it seem like it was heavy, but it was really just a bag of peat moss. It's a heavy cross I have to bear. <laughs> I didn't want it weighing on the conscience of some poor production assistant. Yes, indeed. Now, that shot was very strange. That was riding a horse on a soundstage on an elevated section of the set where... <laughs> Moment drop camera. Stop! Stop! Oh, totally. I had about a foot on either side, and if the horse had fallen off, it would have been game over. Oh, we could have gotten another horse. <laughs> this, again, is up at Charlton Flats up in the uh, wonderful Angeles National Forest. They cut out some of these writing shots. I love Joe's music, but I mean, this shows all the writing shots, but uh, Universal cut some of them. He really outdid himself in the score. This is one of my favorite Joe LaDuca scores. In fact, I say that every time I hear one of his scores. I think but... so too. Joe had uh, he had a little more money at his disposal, and he's, he's just becoming a better and better composer. And this was a big challenge because uh, Danny Elfman wrote the opening title piece, and he also wrote the Army of the Dead, the March. I think it's they're one and the same. Oh, I got you. He did the big piece, and then Joe filled in 98% of the rest of it. I love this music of Joe's. It's so beautiful. It establishes a very good tone. And, and it's nice to have an opportunity where the music, you don't need sound effects. You don't need some creepy wind or something spooky. It's all, it's all happening in the music. It's got the sense of awe that we needed approaching the Necronomicon. Right building suspense. It's just beautiful. Until it breaks down into a dumbbell scene. <laughs> the one thing I'm glad about both versions is that eventually we, we sort of had to fight to keep most of this scene intact because this scene wasn't butchered too horribly in the, in the cut-down version. This scene just needed to play of deciding which book to take and there are certain shots that you we found in test screenings it works best just let it play. And those are hard things to figure out with movies. It's strange. It's not like theater. You don't get the interaction. We sort of had to have those test screenings to see what worked and what didn't. How did they like this movie? I can't remember. Generically okay, but I think the part of the reason for the quote-unquote happier ending was because right. the original one was deemed a bummer, if you will. Even and if though I won't? <laughs> well, then you have to change the ending. They already made us do that. This is cool, stretchy finger effect. Again, uh, who did that? I think that was KMB. Beautiful job, too. Although, well, it, my guess would be Alterian because it had something to do with Ash. Oh, okay. They pretty much were a one-stop Ash shop. It's still an impossible shot. How did you disappear inside that book? <laughs> doesn't make any sense to me when I see that. This is a funny Alterian makeup. Yeah, this was them. Tony Gardner and his team. And this was sort of a series of stretchy faces. We had about two or three different sizes. The one would be the full-on stretchy face. So 
I had a little hole deep inside the mouth, and so all my lunches were liquid at this point. That that face is somewhere in the middle. Now they can do this with digital. I don't think anyone would have ever done this nowadays with makeup effect faces. Do you know right. what I mean? Right. What good faces those were too. They were. I thought they, they were remarkable. too. They were. They. They were the. You knew who it was, but it was still ghastly at the same time. The flying book effect coming up was done by um, Intervision again. I just thought that was great. Obviously, you had one of the puppet books. Right. But I loved what they did with um, mostly Bill Mesa and his animator, who was um, the guy that did Terminator. I just forgot his name, though. But I'll be in the George Yeah. Yeah, he's a great animator. He did this, and he did the skeletal evil ash. Right, combined with a prop book. Now, that was just a regular old book. Animation. Now that's animation. Then there was this strange, like, mechanic book that you could operate. This is book on stick. This is book you operated. Right, book book with a handle that I could use, and we just had a mechanism for it to flap. Now right there, of course, is operated by Sam Raimi because it's bashing me in the back of the head. Because at one point I think he went, give me the book, I know how to do this, Bruce will be fine. He just started smashing me. I think their only concern was that the book would get wrecked. I like that. Now, was that based on the original design again, Sam? The actual Necronomicon? Yes, done by Tom Sullivan. That's what they were all based on, although for some reason Tony felt he had to change it slightly. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it's Tom's design. The words. And parts of the animation that is a recap of Evil Dead 2 is still Tom Sullivan's animation. That's right. Clancho! Barata! See, it's so typical that because he can't remember a simple phrase, <laughs> hundreds of people will die as a result of this. Nectar. Nickel. I like that quilt that uh, Ida made for you. It's a perfect... We wanted a little cape for you, remember? Right. It's beautifully done, though. I, I wound up really with like those it. sort of, um, like, Union soldier colors. Grays, blues... And then the cape was a combination of the two. She's got a great sense of color design. I like that clip that fastens the horse blanket. Of course, we did wind up, you know, essentially we're continuing the original ash colors. The original ash colors were brown brown pants, work boots, and a blue shirt. I think the blue shirt got a little bluer. Got a little bluer, and it's, and, uh, you know, as my uh, years advanced, I think we went with the padded shoulders. I think there was something you went, look, he's a hero, and he's starting to stoop over a little bit now, so put pads in those shoulders. So I've got padded shoulders now. I think that was a good improvement, too. <laughs> I do. No, it's, it's, it's true. It's the hero thing. Once we figured out how to make the cape not strangle me during the course of the day, eventually we had to pin it with about 16 pins in order to keep it in that position. I remember when Bill Mesa, who shot this plate of the graveyard, showed me these gravestones popping up. I thought it was so cool. It is good. A lot of these effects are really cool. We just have never had anything this big before. Right. Yet. Ladies and gentlemen, having just joined us in the studio is Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine, Ivan Ramey. Ivan, welcome to Army Thank of you. Darkness. Nice to be here. Welcome, Ivan. Ivan is a co-writer and my brother. Ivan just got off a shift at... What, where, where are you working right now? I'd rather not say. <laughs> <laughs> he just Let's got just off. say a large emergency room in the Valley of Los Angeles. 
Harry, he was performing medicine, and now he's here to comment on uh, his, his work. This is right out of a Three Stooges, uh, kind of a bit, not a specific routine, but obviously hand-slapping the Stooges' faces. That's what this scene was influenced by. Right, and the K&B guys supplied uh, essentially hundreds of these fake skeleton arms and hands, and, and they had all kinds of body parts available. Okay, try and blow it out. <laughs> that makes me laugh. That's important. It was bugging me. What's weird about this, there were about four guys all around here, each with different things. With you saying the whole time, no, don't worry about it. Hit him, ha hit him harder. It's okay. <laughs> that was probably the trickiest section to get everything happening. <laughs> now this is a line that has since been cut out. Keep your damn filthy bones out of my mouth. <laughs> Planet of the Apes influenced, I think. Oh, no question about it. Ivan, were you this tortured, is, for example, this when... This is Ivan's line coming up here. Oh, yeah? Know? Yeah. He's laughing a while writing this. Oh, as he's riding away? Yeah. I'm through being their garbage boy. <laughs> their little garbage boy. <laughs> You're dreaming. I'm not. <laughs> you wrote that. Well, I like how Ash is, he's, now he's at a, a mode of self-preservation and, and making excuses for everything. Yeah, he, he's a perfect example of what's wrong with the American education system. <laughs> All right, now we have the the arrival of full-on Evil Ash, which is a about a three-hour makeup job. Compliments of uh, Tony Gardner. Intervision shot. Castle was put in. Now this is me in this closer shot attempting to stay on the horse. The horse is trying to throw me off at every, every instance. Now the next shot, I can't get off the horse because my foot gets stuck in the stirrup. These stupid medieval saddles, they have no horn on them. So you can't hang on to anything, and then your foot always gets stuck in these dumb stirrups. Bruce, I mean, uh, Ivan, what is your interpretation of the character of Ash at this point? What is he going through? <laughs> Puberty. <laughs> What's he so pissed about? Well, I think all pretense is gone now. It's that he's trying to get along with these people, but he doesn't really want to be there. Yeah, it's, it's just that... Just what? Nothing. Here. Now send me back, like in the deal. When you removed the Necronomicon from the cradle, did you speak the words? Yeah, basically. Did you speak the exact words? Look, maybe I didn't say every single little tiny syllable, no, but basically I said them, yeah. Dung-eating fool! Thou hast doomed us all! Lying. This is save his skin. When spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. Now, whoa, 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 right there, Spinach Chin. You said that you could clean When are you getting pissed about? That's what happens to liars when they get caught. Oh, they become He's... defensive. Get rid of this thing and send me back. It's true, the book still possesses the power to send you back, but to us, it is useless. The evil has a terrible hunger for the Necronomicon, and it will come here to get it. We had a deal. You wanted the damn book. I got it for you. I did my part. Now you send me back. Very well. 
As we are men of our word, we shall honor our bargain. The wise men shall return you to your own time. Yeah? I thought he was the one. Yeah. <laughs> I like this low point in the movie. It, it, it's kind of game over for this character. He never expected them to fall for it. And yeah, he's so happy they're going to accept it. <laughs> That's right. There is the one line where he Because he knows how yeah. full of it he is. The ceremony and the, he doesn't know what to ask. He knows for. he's a bad liar and they're actually <laughs> going to accept his bull. He's, <laughs> he was unprepared. As soon as I was better than later, that's a funny line. Ivan wrote a funny line in the comic book. Um, after he tells Sheila, after he walks away from Sheila in the comic book, Ivan wrote a thought bubble. I wonder where I parked my car. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's, that's his biggest concern now. But you guys had told me in, back. <laughs> in this scene, you guys explained that what all guys want to do in relationships is just they they try and come up with an easy end. But during this whole scene, she won't let him. She won't let him cop out of it. You would leave. <laughs> Especially here, he kind of goes, "Look, I'll see you." Yeah, he just wants to end it and that he walk away. He, he thought he got away with it. This is Ivan's line coming up here. What of all the, the sweet words that you spoke in private? Oh, well, well, that's just what we call pillow talk, baby. That's all. That made me laugh. The first time I read it, I was outraged. <laughs> and now she's legitimately crushed. That's what's so horrible. He can't deal with that legitimate emotion. Ivan also wrote that uh, give me some sugar line, baby, but I didn't put it in the script because I was too embarrassed. And that's why I came up with it on the set. But oh, so I can actually, blame Ivan, man. He had actually thought of it. I'll blame Sam. <laughs> of course, this is a good uh, chance to redeem the hero here. With a good K&B creature, another, another creature. Which was also a, a gymnast that they could put into this suit. That's a cool shot. A real Harryhausen-inspired piece. I yeah, think of animating a human, that's also a really funky thing to do. Doug Leffler and Bill Mesa did a great job in that. I remember as this movie progressed, this is probably like Real 7 at this point. From Real 7 on, every line in this movie is dubbed. Because there's, there's wind fans, there's fighting, there's armor, there's all that. There's very little actual production dialogue left in this movie. From, about, from the time the battle starts, it's, it's game over. Ivan and, I, Ivan and I have talked about where we went wrong with the uh, picture, and uh, Ivan was saying, and maybe I don't know if it was you or me, but we agreed that uh, because after this point we lost a lot of the character of Ash, being a coward and being himself, that's, that's why it, for us it didn't work as well. Just battle scenes are kind of empty. What we love, what Ivan and I loved was uh, the character of Ash being a coward, a blowhard, a braggart, a liar, and we we would have, and what we did in the comic book was we concentrated on more of that. Um, Meaning that he disappears for a while. His character disappears, and it becomes about cool skeleton battles, like a Ray Harryhausen movie, which we've seen Harryhausen do, so it's not that interesting. But we should have put in more pieces of Bruce interacting with. Well, the I remember people. at one point you guys threatened <laughs> to have Ash. The the village is saying, "Where's Ash? Where's Where's Ash? He's Where's Where's the chosen one? He's disappeared." And then they come back and they open up like a closet, and I'm cowering inside. <laughs> I'm afraid. Yeah, 
We also wanted you to try to make a deal with the Deadites by <laughs> giving them a few village children. <laughs> Coming out with a peace offering. Right. Just another in a series of Ash's bad ideas. Yeah. Right, but then I hold them, I put them in front of me as, as I fail horribly and right. running back to the castle. Holding the villagers responsible. Now, Ambeth, I, I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but she slipped me the tongue during this scene. I, oh, I thought it was a little Bruce. unprofessional. These are naked girls being led around by skeletons. <laughs> naked girls in chains. How do you feel about that? Well, I want to state that we were horrified. That Rob <laughs> Tapper put that in. Yeah. I got to the set, and he had hired these women to take their tops off, and he had taken the liberty of blocking that scene. I always wanted to see naked girls being led around by skeletons in chains. Well, maybe I can add some new Ron, perspective to that. can you live your fantasies uh, in another picture? Do we yeah. have to incorporate them right now into this? Yeah, well, since my wife was a costume designer, I can add a, a slightly new perspective. She goes, I got this, I show up for work and all of a sudden some AD comes up and says, they need naked women for this thing with chains. We need costumes for them. She goes, what? Yeah, Sam and Rob want the scene with these naked women being led around in chains. Well, I Rob was, was shocked when I heard <laughs> Rob was living out some fantasy on the from a cover of a True Detective magazine. <laughs> you skeleton puppets pull those girls ha ha harder. Yank their chain. What's he so pissed about now? I well, now he's reached the, the epitome of blowhardedness. All men from the future, loud mouth braggarts. Nope. Just me, baby. Just me. How will we fight an army of the dead at our castle walls? <laughs> that hurts me. That line really hurts me. Yeah, well, I had to say it. But see, Ash is bloomed now. He's gone past his coward phase. Now he's, he's fessing up. He's going to be a man. I know. I'm not as interested in him anymore, as Ivan points out. Growth. I'm, we're going to eliminate all growth in Evil Dead 4. He's going to revert back <laughs> to the lowest common denominator but he's still an idiot isn't he i mean he's still just bluffing his way through this i don't think we could take that away from your performance if we tried bruce huh. <laughs> bruce is so full of himself i mean ash was so full of himself in that scene yeah i want to point out ted ramey here this is ted's ted has about four roles in this film my steel <laughs> and so he plays this uh, just in a couple scenes before he was he played a panicking villager and he'll be featured a little more later on as a a warrior who's fighting alongside Arthur. Most of our people have already fled, AKA, we can't afford more than 40 extras. Meanwhile, back at the evil Ash camp. That was a cool hat they made. Which tortured me, of course, because every I kept snagging it on everything. It would get caught on my armor. That whole outfit was a nightmare because it would stick on things, and then my cape would stick to the armor. The arrival of evil Sheila, which was also K and B at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Good. Who rules? You, my lord. You, sir. To the castle. Now this little uh, speech is cut out of the short version. It's a very, I like it. I know you're scared. We're all scared. It's the Captain Kirk speech. But that doesn't mean we're cowards. We can take these deadites, we can take them. With science. 
Ivan and I love the uh, idea of the evolution of technology in a short sequence. He had to rebuild technology from the ground up. We like the idea of American technology trying to defeat evil supernatural. Evil European <laughs> supernatural beings. Ivan said that Army of Darkness. In this way, it's more of a thesis of the American psyche. Although it's very handy it's to have movie. Chemistry 101 <laughs> in, in your trunk and uh, the other is a steam, steam plant operation. <laughs> It always helps to have that in your trunk. Knowing Ash was probably a stolen library book. <laughs> That's funny. Pretending to pull that engine up, that 500-pound engine. That's right. With my buddy Tim. This is also the full version. This has been cut down as well. Team Boiler, eh? It's all kind of interesting, but it it left behind Ash's character, so that's why I'm not as enamored of it as I was in the screenplay. I realized what was wrong. Maybe Ivan told me, but I completely agree. This is for more of another picture. Straight uh, man in another time picture, if such a picture exists. But for Ash, I lose his character. I don't want to see him as a competent guy. He should, should have been trying to pick up another chick at this point. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Saying there's very little time to live and uh, this might be my last day. That kind of thing. Okay, we should have read that. We didn't dilly-dally around with much, too much time, I didn't think. But just the, the concept of not having him be a coward... I suppose, but That's at some like. point you've got the the one thing that I think is all right though is, if if you didn't have some level of competence, you couldn't have built the the death coaster, you know. Well, we've always said you've kicked ass with the deadites, and and you knew how to do that. It's some weird contrast. You're saying works. just to keep him a moron. Yeah, you're too smart. You're too sure of yourself. I don't like him. He's too normal. He's too normal. He's not <laughs> interested. He when I'm I like when Ash is on screen and he causes me pain. You know, I'm going, oh, you idiot. That his very existence injures those around him. Except when the monsters are around. Man, I'm a Chinese jet pilot. We used to have that, that line in. This was probably K&B's biggest challenge because it was a combination of foreground skeletons in trenches with background... Uh, Plates. Yeah, and, and also performers in suits, and then, you know, there were like different levels of what they had to build, what they had to concoct. That's true for the most part, but those shots, we just saw the skeleton uh, band, that was done at Intervision with uh, projection, so they weren't actually in the, in the trenches there, but here they are. They right. did a good job the of all the layering, layering they in did. all the elements. Right, the foreground was the full-on skeleton creatures, the background were just people in suits. Floto cam. It's so funny, you see me moving, but I'm not really walking. I, I kind of enjoy that too. I think we agreed you're beyond walking now. That's right, he's he's at another level. Ivan begged us to cut this down in the script, so did Rob, and they were both right. Well, in this version, uh, this is what mainly uh, stuff was cut out of. 
uh, probably about 10 minutes of battle was removed from, from this version to get to the 81 minute version. I saw this film, the full version screen at a film festival in Spain once and after beating them up for 70 minutes, then the battle started. <laughs> what did they do that crowd? Well, it was just hard to take it all. It was hard to suck it all in. There was so much abuse for the whole movie. I like Danny Elfman's very operatic score to this. It's just so big. You did me a big favor by doing this for no money. Of course, Joe did it for no money also. And you had worked with Danny on, on Darkman also. Yes. And now I've worked with him on Simple Plan. There's a little more interplay with Evil Ash and Sheila in this version as well. Once I possess the Necronomicon, I shall rule and you shall be my queen. He's getting a little taste of what it's like to be married, basically. <laughs> Doesn't matter who you are. It's my favorite character, Mr. Wiggly on a horse. I'm sorry Doug Sills never made this cut, because he had a good part, too, remember? That's right. right. He, uh, they, uh, they tortured him to get information out of him. He was a sentry or something? Yes, he was a, a human sentry who the skeletons had captured. And, and they dragged him up. They dragged him up behind that horse, I think. Doug Sills, the star of Scarlet Pimpernel. On Broadway. I believe that would be Sam's voice there. <laughs> <laughs> Ivan, did you get in on any of the uh, soundtrack? No. You didn't provide any... There wasn't any room. Sam took up all the parts. <laughs> that's a cool shot that's been cut, I think. Real scope shot. Right. I always liked those big shots. That's what we were trying to do. Like a movie like they used to make in the 50s. On no money. Out at the out in Acton, we built probably, Sam, the interior of the castle, probably 270 degrees of the castle. Quite a yes. bit of it. And then the outside, just the lower portion, Intervision provided the top turret parts. And then we built selected, like this here is a foreground set piece with an intervision background shot of the rest of the castle. Right, that was shot in their set actually. Right. They figured it all out. The process is um, is it no more? I don't think it's used as much because of advancing digital technology but at the time it was it was really something. I, I also think it works extremely well at night. It You can hide things for some reason better. That's cool, their barricades marching forward. I like this sequence long. We, I think we did a good job in the mix. Yeah, we tortured him. It, we did a rack focus in the sound here. We took the background out when the camera rack focuses to just the fuse sound, so we actually did an, an audio rack focus. This, this is the slowest burning fuse in cinema history. <laughs> if we had the money, we would have gotten rid of some of these wires and arrows that still hang in the air after the explosions. Because they came down on wires, you know. Right, they sort of float a little bit for a couple of frames after they <laughs> blow up the skeletons. This was a section that was um, sort of difficult to defend when it came down to cutting the movie down because it was hard to argue whether you should have nine skeletons blowing up or four. 
We need nine. We've got to <laughs> We've have it. We've got nine. to have it. It's important for the plot. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's get the hell out of here. That's provided by Ted Ramey, that voice. Sort of a false victory. <laughs> the sortie on the second flank will stand. It must. The sortie. We used that word because the Gulf War was on at that time. <laughs> and, we'd, and we'd been playing too many video games. And <laughs> <laughs> he used sortie. And they were all, what else was the word of choice at the moment by broadcasters? Material. Material. The tanks, move, troops, and material. Move that ordinance. They were all saying that on the um, radio. Yeah, I think this version has much more intact the actual, the tactical difference of Ash tries this, Evil Ash tries this, and you see the, the full scope of each attack. There are multiple attacks. And the full scope of the audience snoring. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's big and cool. Those I always like the, the catapults. I always really enjoyed. <laughs> That's big. That's Vern cool. Hyde built those catapults, too. He built them to really throw balls of flame. It's it still kills me, though. This movie, when it was first submitted for a rating, got an NC-17, and you have talking skeletons. I, I've never understood that process whereby you can get an unrated movie and you have basically Pirates of the Caribbean. He built that to throw the fireballs at the Teamsters, right? <laughs> Pick yourselves up and Sally Fuck! Sally Fuck! Sally Forth! It's just a natural progression of my makeup falling off. That's a cool shot that Intervision did with animation. Foreground, background plate that's live action. It's cool to see animated skeletons. I've always loved them since the days of Harryhausen. Yeah, they're, yeah, cre they're, they're creepy and weird. There are so many effect shots in this movie. It seemed like in every shot there was always something. There was either torches or there was wind or there was wind and smoke or there was some kind of background shot or blue screen or intervision or miniatures or something. Mm -hmm. Rocks. Of course, none of this would be happening if Ash had said the words correctly. That's what kills me about all this. He's being heroic and leading all these people into battle, but they wouldn't be here if he just said the words right. And he would have said them right if he wasn't such a blowhard. That's right. If he'd been paying attention. Big job for the ADs to pass out those lighted torches to responsible individuals. The, the heinous thing was that they were diesel fuel. He did a good job. John Cameron was the AD. He's now the producers of the Coen Brothers pictures. I enjoy this shot, too. It's a good combination of skeletons and guys in suits. Good puppet work there, stabbing the guy. Here comes your dad, Bruce, right? Yeah, he made it through all versions of this movie. I was so happy because it's really, you, you can't really argue with the studio. If they want to cut out a shot of a guy getting killed, I couldn't really say, hey, that's my dad, can you leave him in? 
But, I'm so uh, glad he made it. Yeah, he made it in all versions for some reason. Uh, coming up here, he'll get killed in about four seconds. He's always been a big supporter of ours. Yeah. Gave us our, one of our first investments. <laughs> I remember, Sam, when we were filming with him, I was trying to, I wanted my dad to do a good job, so I started to torment him. There he is. Yeah, that's my dad dying right there. Mm. And you go, shut up, I'm the director. Mm. I'll tell your dad how to die, okay? <laughs> Not you. <laughs> that's right. It wasn't my place. Bruce the Coward. That's what I wanted to see more of. And that was where that scene where you guys threatened to put it, where Ash disappears, and they don't know what happened to him, and they find him horribly cowering. We had to build him up a little before we sunk him down to that bug level. <laughs> Say hello to the 21st century. Yeah! What about the Death Coast driving? What does it symbolize? American steel. <laughs> Detroit steel. Detroit Motor Steel. What kills me is it, it is still Sam's 1973 Delta 88 Royale, the classic as he refers to it, fixed up for the 56th time. That car's been in a lot of pictures. It's had love scenes played in it. It's run over dummies. It's been turned to the death coaster. It's been sent back in time. It, and, and it's in your Kevin Costner film, right? Teetered on the edge of the Belle Isle Bridge, yeah, sure. <laughs> I like those effects. Those are very, you know, those those ratchets on stunt guys. It, I thought it worked really well. It's, it's tricky stuff. It really did. I doubted that it would work, but it did. Is it true that George Lucas wanted to buy that to put in his next American Graffiti film? The classic? I had That's heard right. that. I yeah, heard that rumor. I think it's true. Sam wouldn't sell it at any price. Well, I love the changing of the gears to give it more horsepower to drive its turbine. Yeah, there's more juice, exactly. How much more juice can there be, though? <laughs> Out of old rusted engine that really wasn't working. <laughs> a steam turbine. Stylistically, I really like this. This is such a cool part of the movie. The, it, it's all her her trick where she becomes diaphanous and lovely and like what frame rate would that be to get that motion? That was 120 frames. It really looks good. <laughs> like that little insert. <laughs> he's, he's got a bail. It's gonna blow. It was a tough choice, girl, or the car. <laughs> Always a tough one. Joe's music really helped me with that work. We've secured the courtyard, my lord. Excellent. He was a good actor, that guy. From uh, Texas Chainsaw 3. Bill Mosley. Great job. We're all sent to the glue factory, Elmer. To the wall! This longer version makes more sense in that they first they have several waves just to get into the, to the castle. Once they get in, then they have to get through the courtyard phase and climb ladders and stuff like that because it's all about getting up to the higher levels where the book is. And you can follow it a little more in, in a linear fashion with this long version as long as you're not bored out of your gourd. And this is now in its full length. <laughs> Uh, this is this is what I enjoy about this sort of 
interaction with these all creatures. You know, there's people throwing like a, a skeleton that you can break, followed by another puppet that you can punch. With I really like that too. Skeleton creatures in the background. It, it, I think it's good to mix and match like that. Do you like shooting? A, did you like basically having on film a big battle scene? Or you don't care or. or... I really enjoyed it, but making it wasn't... Everyone says, are the Evil Dead movies fun to make? Not really, but they're fun to watch. I enjoy watching the finished version, but everything is so complex. This this sequence, poor Marcus, I remember hearing on the walkie-talkie, John Cameron cued the mic after you guys got this shot because it was at the end of the day, and this poor guy was on stage in this battle gear, and he had to hit certain marks where he chopped a skeleton's head off and kicked a guy here and took an arrow here and... It was really hard on him, and they finally got it, and he, John just opened the microphone, and all you could hear was the crew <laughs> cheering that they'd finally got that shot. That's what this whole movie was like. It's all It was extremely technical, and it was a very long shoot. It was never-ending. We shot for over 100 days of main unit, which is as big as almost any Hollywood movie. Um, Bigger. Bigger. That, that, that's always been our theory, though, Figure out ways to save money so that you can shoot for a long time. Because yeah, it, don't pay anybody but yourselves. That's your policy. <laughs> well, ironically, uh, in order to get certain things in this movie, we had to wind up dumping some of our own money back in. So about a third of it. Yeah. yeah so we we were allowed to complain with all the other crew members who weren't getting paid as much. This is a cool routine you did. Doug helped me with this. Doug Leffler, who's a storyboard artist, but he's also knows a little bit about martial arts, just to be, just enough to be dangerous, though. This is one of those things that, you know, we just had to do over and over to finally get it right. The end of my sword would break off, or something would miss, or I'd slip and hit the wrong guy. She was a sport to do this. She was. She was very game. Embeth, uh... She seemed ready to, I think very quickly she picked up what was required of her and she didn't seem to have any problems. She was great. Because also I, she had to be corseted up, all those costumes that you can't breathe, it's, they're pulling in on your chest cavity, you know, so she had to do a lot of this stuff all ratcheted up in these outfits. found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Oh, she didn't like that. You hello. <laughs> oh, good stunt. She asked for it. This is a cool bit where he breaks the sword off. And I like how he breaks yours in two and you make a double weapon. Right, winds up making a sort of that becomes part of the fight. Doug Leffler's contributed so much to these fight sequences. And these guys also, uh, the uh, Dan Speaker, who was the fight master, the, the bit with the, the two... Sword master, right? Yeah. Um, he, he wound up choreographing a, a, a fair amount of this as well. Of, of this breaks, then these two things happen, you know, working in conjunction with you. I remember they were very involved in that. Yes. And they also were responsible for creating uh, background fights that could loop forever. Right. That it would go for maybe 15 to 20 seconds and then would repeat because you'd never hold on any one shot to know that the background performers were repeating their fight. Yeah. But you didn't want to ever have them run out. Remember the sequence, Bruce? Yeah, I do. Flipping the stuntman in that particular case, I put a big gouge in my face and had to go to the emergency room, and the guy 
the doctor that they got to sew me up looked at my face and there was already six or seven cuts in my face. He was like, well, which one is cut? And then, of course, he had to get his little dig in. As he stitched me up, he goes, that one, these are the cuts. They don't look very real. It's like, well, yeah, but you didn't know when I first came in here which one was the real cut. But then the gag is I showed up later on the set. I just came right back and got to work because you couldn't really tell if I had one extra cut on my face. It didn't matter. Yeah. It wasn't like a soap opera where you had to look perfect all the time. That shot worked well right there. It really, sh- somehow it really shows the height very well. Right. Not as well as they did it in the Vikings, though. God, that was great. When now, Sam, I'll admit to failure in the sequence because I know that you wanted to do that whole sword fight up the steps in one Fred Astaire sequence. And I remember at one point when you realized that after we had done so many takes of it, it wasn't going to happen. As you pick up the bullhorn, you go, all right, we're going to break this sequence up into a thousand little pieces. Because we just couldn't get it. There was always something that got hung up or didn't work right. Yeah, I was a bad sport about that. <laughs> and, and so, you know, as a result, it, it did get... That's the reason why it's all broken up is because we just couldn't do it. Yeah. We were losers. Chris Doyle doing the fire stunt or somebody else? I think he was. I think he was. The stunt coordinator. Yeah, we couldn't just have a shot of you swinging on a rope. It had to be intervision. Right. Had to, it had to be intervision, and, and you had to have me say tally-ho. Of course. Because you always wanted that in the movies. I want you to say tally-ho. <laughs> but I'm an American. Now, here's Ted playing part number three, the dying man <laughs> there with a sword in his Horrible neck. to get a blade in the throat. Yeah. Yeah, that's bad. An arrowhead there. It was fun blocking additional pieces in. Okay, come at Bruce and... Right. Bruce, punch him in the face. Because I, my favorite thing was the shot you described. It's that when you would fist fight with skeletons. I thought that was really Yeah, always cool. the interplay with them. I wish we had more of it. But actually, the fight scene's too long. I wish we had more character within the fight scene. I should have written it live and differently. Of course, that's Sam's voice. Why he changed it to my voice, I still don't know <laughs> if it's you. This character is now referred to as Skeletor when we were shooting, but uh, I referred to it as Strokator or Drunkator because... The actual mechanical version of it, they were having some problems with it. And whenever they pulled a cable, I never knew if it was going to stab me in the eyes or not. So I was actually really afraid fighting this creature. So the fear on my face is real. It was ugly, nasty, It was horrible. You know, there were 19 cables and four guys pulling all these cables, and it was hard to keep track of it all. And, of course, it's a blend of animation and a real creature. In this longer version, I had forgotten how the torture continues. All of a sudden, now he's got the ability to, he's got a blowtorch. Because <laughs> we had a Godzilla lighter, remember? Yeah. It would breathe flame. Or Rodan, I can't remember who breathed. Oh, yeah, Godzilla breathes fire, right? Yeah, Godzilla, to. sure. So I think we decided, let's give him the bad ability. It's hysterical. <laughs> now you know, he hits the jackpot. Gosh. Those darn fuses. I thought that was a good setup, is that you set up the catapults, you know what the deal is, you know they, they blow up like crazy, and the fact that he sort of purchased himself on one, I thought that worked out pretty well. And I remember in the truncated version, the 81-minute version, that Henry and his men actually come in at a different point. They do. They come in earlier, as I recall. That's because right. Because this is much later in the chronologically. Do you like it here better? 
I think so. I, I mean, I know that Dina was, hand me the red, he called me here, put him here. Put him here. He wanted him sooner so that it was all one big battle. It wasn't two battles because now you don't really want to spend any time with them fighting because you've already seen That's right. 15 minutes of fighting. So I think his feeling at the time was just make it all happen earlier so you've got one battle. So this little confrontation here was not was not broken up by Henry's arrival in the short version. It just plays quickly. He severed his gizzard. <laughs> that was a good effect. I like the sort of a train whistle. This is expanded in this version also. For some reason, you can't see her changing that much, but it was a, this was a it's, very early motion control yeah, shot. Yeah, it was a very complicated shot that had to be programmed into a computer to get the camera moved to move the, the same way. Those of you tell that to the kids that listen to this, they think, so what? Yeah, right, what's the problem? What's yeah, the big, and? What, yeah, what are you complaining about? They should have just done it digitally. <laughs> In fact, even now it sounds dumb. We had to program it into a computer, into, into an a actual computer, computer. An actual computer to do that effect. You know we're old, folks. <laughs> that was the giveaway right there. I like this, too, the unresolved issue between the two sides. I think the movie means well. <laughs> it does. It just wants everyone to be happy. Except Ash. Except Ash who's miserable. <laughs> it's an odd moment for Ash to be smiling. Every time I see that, it's always very strange to see him happy and smiling. It's such a, such a rare moment for him. He's not, well, the only reason we gave it to him was because he was going to be screwed royally later. Yeah, that's right. But it was weird doing it, even. I felt strange doing it. It's like Ash just isn't happy. No. You know, why would you have him? Why it's, would he be happy? You'd think maybe he would just crack a little bit of a smile. I think I overdid it. I probably should have just smiled a little bit. And I, I think it's fine. I think it's good after all that. And then coming up here is going to be the big change because this represents the original ending. In many cases, this is referred to as the alternate ending, but there's no such thing. This is the... This is the original ending coming up. I always like this shot for some reason coming around as you study that. I can finally go home with honor. But what will it cost? It's a good shot. I liked it because, it, again, it, it is the one or two times that Ash is normal. I know that you're tormented by that, but every so often it's nice to have sort of a, just a regular shot that isn't warped with a 9mm lens with me screaming my head off. She's such a good actress, that, that woman. Yeah. I can't believe they landed her for a cheesy series here. This was one of the first legitimate things that she had done. I remember all during the shoot, Ambeth was going, well, what about this and what about that? It was like, well, we'll figure it out. We just, it'll, it'll happen. Don't worry about it. And now, you know, I'm sure we could never hire her again. She'd be too expensive. <laughs> she wouldn't work with us now. She's seen the picture. <laughs> this was where the version changed right here in the 81-minute version dissolves to the blue light spinning. Right. And here, oh, wait, are you sure? Yeah, that's the transition to Kmart at that point, was roughly around that area. And here is, this is a place called Bronson Cave or Bronson Canyon. 
And no, it, no, 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 no. This no, is no, notorious no. because that is the Bat Cave. We're shooting in the actual Batman cave where his car came out of. So that's your trusty Zippo American-made yeah. product. I was exact. I was excited to shoot there because of the history of that place. It was cool. This ending to me, I will always defend to the end of my days because it's not about it's not about depressing. It's about appropriate. I think the ending is appropriate. I I think this sequence is very cool. It's very sci-fi, and it 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 gave a good lead in to what what you know would or would not become part four. Now this is where so you get funny. your character back, Sam, the idiot who is he's so easily distracted that he miscounts six lousy drops. Yeah, I like that too. This was supposed to be the batteries wore down. I don't know if it's ever clear. One day passed, and then many. It's a good thing they didn't give me a chance to narrate the real feature. <laughs> I enjoy this montage. I think it's really cool. All the different positions that he's sleeping in over time. But the season's past. It, this becomes a weird little section. The music it takes on a, an interesting tone. Kind of scary here. Yeah, it gets scary that... Your scream mixed in with that. Yeah, that he's sleeping through some bad times. First breath. That was cool. <laughs> cool performance he did there. Those eyes. Oh, oh God, is my throat dry? <laughs> this is sort of the Robinson Crusoe look of, you it's know, cool. that his his clothes would be rotted, and he'd have a beard and long hair. It's, it's sort of classic stuff. It's always fun to play with those different looks too. You're used to seeing him one way, and now he's like this feral Searching creature. Out, so would your would your metal arm still be there after six six hundred? It'd be a little rusty, sure. Yes, I guess everything's okay now. <laughs> the poor sappy slept too long. That's good acting, body language. Good, cool. You look great. And then he's lost it a little bit. <laughs> Poor sap. So that represents the 96-minute version of this movie, the original version. Thank you, Bruce, for joining me today. Sam, always a pleasure. And for all eternity. Yeah, I'll see you for part four. Thank you, Ivan. It was great fun making this picture with Sam and uh, writing it and being on the set where I met my future wife. And uh, she was actually underneath Bruce with all the skeletons stabbing you and pumping fists into your head and she said that was a fulfilling thing for her. She too. was one of those bones? In she the... was one of the bones smacking Bruce in the head, yeah. Oh my god, in the graveyard scene? You're right. Cool. I didn't know that. It I was a fantasy that. of hers to keep punching Bruce after being with him all day. <laughs> I understand. Huh. And um, When will you show this uh, picture to your currently two children? 
How old do they have to be? Max, who is now four, and Sophia, too. Oh, I think in the year 2050 when I unearthed it from the time capsule. All right, Doc. Thank you for joining us. Okay, thanks. It was great. I hope you folks had a good time watching the show. Thanks for listening to us. Our goal was really to make an entertaining picture. That's all we want to do. An entertaining movie that hopefully people would laugh at and get some jumps out of. And uh, we hope that you were entertained. Thank you.